0: everyone to episode 55 of the podcast we have four brand new cases for you actually this is interesting because these are four movies i've actually seen uh, some of them good some of them not so good but let's get right to it here's a clip from our first movie
1: i'd say you have a natural instinct for forensics so what do we got falling we have footprints size 10 thanks to officer Donahue using a dollar bill to establish scale We have asbestos on a track bed where there shouldn't be any. And I am Bolt holding down a uh, piece of paper, a book page with 119 written on it. Decaying oxidation on the Bolt's head, but not on the thread, which says to me that someone removed it from somewhere else and placed it there recently. Wouldn't you agree, officer? Wouldn't you agree, officer, Donnie? (laughs) Paulie, I'm convinced this crime scene was staged. Perp's trying to tell us something. So the fuck you saying? Book page 119, 11/9 that's today's date. Newspaper, 4 p.m. What time you got? 12.15. She's alive, Paulie. And he's gonna kill her at 4.
0: P.M. That was a clip from Bone Collector, starring Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie, and so a nominee for the worst love scene. Now here we have an Arizona lawyer who collected too many bones and earned a reprimand for trying to share them with others well at least bones in the emoji form and and yeah I'll I'll have to explain this lawyer is hired by a maintenance company to represent the company Uh, the lawyer is originally hired by the founder of the company but his primary contact in the company is this man's 26 year old daughter who served as VP in her daddy's company now a few months into the representation the lawyer's texts to this young woman start to get a little weird uh, it started with, uh, got any pics? Hmm, you should send me something, unless you're a wuss, lol. Sorry, are you a vegan or a meat eater? Hmm. The lawyer then sends emojis of a baguette and a bone to this young woman, which is why we use the, the bone collector here. Now, I'm not going to tell you, but you can ask your teenagers uh, what these emojis mean although I think you can pretty much guess particularly the bone part now of course the young woman does not respond to this now you think that would be a hint right? nope not the clueless Carl here about two weeks later he sends her a photo of a banana and writes "Uh, how's that? do you like my banana? now uh, maybe out of pity maybe out of confusion whatever the young woman responds back lol that's funny and then the lawyer decides, okay, I got it now. He says, you like the real deal? Are you willing to trade pictures with me? Now, she sends no response back. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I you should know that no response uh, basically means I'm not interested. See, if someone wants to give you something that you really want, and uh, you respond. Um, if they don't respond, it's probably because they're not interested. This lawyer hasn't learned that. So two days later, he writes, uh, what's the best time to send you the picks? Now, as W.C. Fields once explained to everyone, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, then quit. No use being a damn fool about it. Apparently this person wasn't familiar with the great fields. And so he continues now with his fourth try. The next day, he writes, uh, when do you want the hammer? at that point the young woman said i gotta respond this fool is getting out of control and she writes what the lawyer responds when do you want me to send the hammer pick law and the young woman has an interesting response here she ignores that completely and here's what she writes hope you had a wonderful thanksgiving is there any update on our case at that point clueless carl finally gets the clue and he writes back oh yes and i'll take care of it as soon as i return uh, you too um i, I- i'll be aggressive And focused. I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Oh, so so now you get it. But you got it too late for the young woman to run back and tell daddy. And when daddy finds out that his lawyer is trying to hit on his baby, uh, he's not happy because in the game of rock paper baby, uh, lawyer always loses the baby. And so he reports the lawyer to the bar. Now at this point, I got to give clueless Carl a a little bit of a, a little bit of credit. Because he starts to get the hint. He gets a clue. First thing he does, all right, is he confesses, <laughs> right, to his actions. He doesn't try to, you know, say it wasn't me, which is good, by the way, because they have receipts, right? He, he sent texts. That, that you might as well send a notarized letter. Um, secondly, he doesn't make excuses. He doesn't say, well, you know, she was asking. Me. He says, you know what? I, I was wrong, 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 wrong. Basically, he writes, I hereby acknowledge that I'm nasty and I need Jesus, And he does, but I'm I'm obviously paraphrasing. But the point is, is that he does all of these things are so good in a sense that it prevents him from getting the ultimate punishment. So he doesn't get suspended. He just gets a reprimand and he gets 18 months, you know, in pervert probation, right? So don't send any more bones or baguettes to anybody else for the next 18 months and you'd be all right. That said, he might not be all right if he runs into this client, I'm pretty sure that while the bar just gave this man a slap on the wrist, uh, the client wants to give him slaps in other places. In addition to the fact that you, know, you hire a guy and he tries to sleep with your daughter, which I think is all against every bro code I, I can imagine, uh, in addition to that, we're not talking about an impetuous 26-year-old man going after a 26-year-old woman. This lawyer is a lot older than 26. Uh, he's been a member of the bar for 27 years, uh, He's at least 28. Or, or more like 54. And uh, that's too old. <laughs> it certainly isn't too old to be trying to send people baguettes and, and, and bone emojis. At that point, you need to be sending people, you know, Geritol and, you know, prune emojis. Or, and this should apply to every man of every age, um, maybe you should be not sending out um, any uh, bone emojis at all. I don't know what it is about us as men that makes us think that everybody wants to see it. I've talked to enough women. I can't speak for them, but I am in this case, sue me for for, for mansplaining this, or um, in this case, I guess, bonesplaining this, but nobody wants to see it. I don't know how to tell you this, but I've been married to the same woman for over 30 years. And in that 30-year period of time, um, she hasn't ever texted me um, the text with you know what did they use the uh, a baguette um, when she, te- she when she asked me to to bring home a baguette uh, she means real bread yeah um, maybe it's just me maybe I I would probably send until she asks but but until that happens I'm gonna assume that nobody wants to see it and certainly um, they will ask you first how about that. You don't have to even offer, because uh, <laughs> I know you'll send it, right? So, guys, let's just uh, try to keep this down to a minimum. And by minimum, I mean none. That would be a good idea, unless you like to drive Uber, and then you can, or DoorDash, you'd be able to deliver all the baguettes you want, the, the real kind. But if you like to be able to keep your law license, I'm going to suggest you keep the emojis uh, in your pants. I hate...
1: The more, and it is thought abroad, that twixt my sheets he's done my office, I know not if to be true, but I, for mere suspicion in that kind, will do as if for surety.
0: He holds me well, the better shall my purpose.
1: Work on him. Cassio's a proper man. Let me see now to get his place and to plume up my will in double
0: knavery. Uh, that was a scene from the 1995 film adaptation of the classic Shakespearean play Othello, and it's our next nominee in the category of Worst Legal Strategy. Now, as you remember, Othello was the Moor of Venice. And during that era, Moor was a term used by Christian Europeans to describe Arabs, Muslims, North Africans, basically anyone who was too dark to be cast in an episode of Friends. Well, in recent years, along with the the sexy, uh, Justin Timberlake apparently decided to bring this term back into common usage. Not that common though, but there is a very teeny tiny collection of people in what is called the Moorish Sovereign Citizen Movement. There are only like seven people. But, but these seven claim that they are subject to the laws of this country because they are sovereign citizens of, I don't know, Moratonia? Well, you know, the country that does not now or has never existed. Now, I want to be clear. It's not just black folks getting their sovereignty on. Uh, there are white nationalist sovereigns, Christian fundamentalist sovereigns, they're even is a group of Hawaiian sovereigns, and I'm going to let them keep that, you know, pineapple on pizza. They can keep that. That's disgusting. Um, but that Hawaiian sweet rolls. Um, no, no, they're not leaving by taking that with them. Anyway, the, the point is, all right, is simply that this is the kind of thing that the federal authorities, even the Southern Poverty Law Center, they keep their eyes on. But most of us ignore it. All right, until we run into someone like this Pennsylvania lawyer who identified as an Aboriginal, Indigenous, Moorish American. And as a result, their pronouns were rent and free. <laughs> In other words, when the landlord asked her to pay the rent on her apartment, she claimed that by virtue of her identity, she already owned the whole damn place and therefore wasn't required to pay rent on her property. Now, needless to say, the local magistrate uh, doesn't quite agree. And so the lawyer gets evicted, but not recognizing what she calls the straw man authority of state laws. She breaks back into her apartment. She gets arrested and charged with criminal trespass. And at her preliminary hearing, she's not being, let's say, cooperative. Uh, She's being the opposite of that. One, she refused to identify herself. Uh, She refused to stand uh, when the judge came into the courtroom and calls her case. She did at one point wave a Moorish flag. You know, the flag of the country that never actually existed. Now, despite not recognizing the sovereignty of the U.S. courts, she did file a lawsuit on behalf of herself and 51 other Moorish Americans, saying that none of them owe money for anything. So she recognized some sovereignty, uh, just not the kind that required her to pay her bills. In either in both cases, the judges actually do recognize U.S. sovereignty or in this case, Pennsylvania sovereignty. And the court throws out her other lawsuit, says so it's frivolous. Now, when the Pennsylvania bar hears about this and they hear about it from the judge, they say, well, we need to obviously step in maybe teach this lawyer how the law works. And so they sent her a complaint said, hey, you know, can you answer this? Explain what the heck you're thinking? And of course, she doesn't respond at first. But eventually she responds, and you know how she responds, right? That the Office of Disciplinary Counsel is not the boss of her and has no authority to be all up in her business like that. I'm paraphrasing what she wrote, but basically that's what she said. She, she also, and I will not paraphrase here, I'll give you the exact quote, she accused the Pennsylvania Supreme Court of discriminating against indigenous people and says by, I quote, engaging in fraud, corruption, bribery, racketeering, and rendering unjust judgment for the sake of profiteering, etc. She also alleged that her attorney in the eviction action had conspired and attempted to, one, commit murder, two, commit fraud, three, commit theft, four, engage in bribery and extortion, and that the ODC even filing this disciplinary complaint, they did so to advance, and I quote, their sodomizing murderous agenda to continue raping, robbing, and stealing from the public, and particularly the indigenous people. Now, you're gonna find this shocking. Uh, But this did not turn out well for her at all. Uh, She was not only disbarred in Pennsylvania, but also in New York and, most recently, New Jersey. And you have to try really, really hard to get New Jersey to throw you out of their bar. Um, But this was even more, get it, see, more than even they were willing to put up with. And here's what the New Jersey Supreme Court had to say. On this record, it is clear that respondent has not acted in conformity with the rule of law or standards of the profession for at least the past eight years and has indicated that she will not in the future. She has abandoned her oath of office and has emphatically articulated her belief that she is not subject to the jurisdiction of disciplinary authorities. Therefore, we determine that respondent could never practice in conformity with the standards of this profession. We find that the reputation of the bar cannot tolerate individuals who abandon the very oaths that we take upon admission. And this is why Othello here is our odds-on favorite to actually win this year's worst legal strategy award. Because the very worst single thing that any lawyer can do is say they're not subject to the law. See, see the word law is in the title. It's the first three letters there. And certainly no one sh- should have to, should tell those in authority, you're not the boss of me. Because when you say that to the person who is charged with being the boss of you, they only have one choice and that's to demonstrate that they're the boss of you and the way that usually works is by not letting you do the thing you used to do and then they show their bossedness it's you're gonna lose the other point of order here is the lawyers use of the strongest terms possible in making her case and by the way we see this a lot online for instance she used the term rape that has a very specific legal meaning It does not apply to every situation in which someone believes they've been taken advantage of in some way. Uh, Therefore, it's not appropriate to file documents in a court of law saying that you were, say, raped at the gas pump by Exxon. Now, I admit, I don't like the prices either, but it's not technically rape. Also, for the record, because I know there's a lot of you out there, social media mavens, uh, silence is not technically violence. See, we don't put people into violent defender units at, say, Sing Sing, because they didn't call out oppression against left-handed, one-footed Americans. As serious as that problem can be. All right, so please don't write out checks that Webster's Dictionary can't cash.
1: Okay, how many of the drives coming off the line meet specs? I, I don't have that information with me.
0: Meredith told us the line is running at 29%. Is that approximately right? Yes. The uh, seek times are off specs. There's a power flicker in the screen. Right. Yeah, that's right. With this merger coming up, don't you think you should have told somebody about this?
1: I don't think the merger is about the CD-ROM that might be obsolete in less than a year. I think the merger is about people. It'll be obsolete in a year? Mr.
0: Sanders, the promise of the Arkamax technology was a
1: central factor in this merger.
0: You know, I may be a bit at fault here when I spoke to Tom. He told me the problem with the drives
1: were serious. Serious and not so serious. I just
0: didn't want to be covering anything up.
1: I'm not covering anything up. Just give us worst case. Worst case scenarios, we go back to the drawing boards and we're down for nine months.
0: Nine months? Meredith said six weeks. Hey, look,
1: nobody likes to go back to the board, all right? But sometimes it can be an advantage.
0: Is there a problem? This isn't an inquisition, Bob. I feel like I'm pulling teeth here. John just wants to get a handle on what the problems are with the line.
1: I don't know, is the honest answer.
0: That was a clip from the movie Disclosure starring Demi Moore and Michael Douglas. And for once, I think I picked out an appropriate clip Uh, because in this scene, Michael Douglas is being, perhaps unfairly, raked over the coals for not providing full disclosure about possible problems with this archimax drive whatever that is and for this nominee for the eager Beaver award we have a south carolina bar applicant and he has been told to sit in the corner for a year for not making full disclosures on his bar application Now, notably he did not answer truthfully on his law school application when he answered no to these two questions one if he had ever been charged arrested, formally accused, or convicted of a crime other than a minor parking or traffic violation, and two, whether he had ever been subjected to a disciplinary action by any of the educational institutions he attended. Now, what heinous crime was this young man trying to cover up? Well, as a sophomore in college, he participated in a fraternity prank. As part of the tradition with this frat, he and other sophomore members of the fraternity took bikes from a dormitory and rode them back to the fraternity house as a prank. Now, normally they would, you know, then return the bikes. They weren't stealing bikes. But in this case, they got caught, and the entire fraternity was reprimanded, whatever that means. Additionally, the fraternity was required to complete community service hours. Now, mind you, the applicant here was not charged with theft or even prankery by a criminal court. This is all internal within the school. In addition, his college transcript doesn't even make mention of this discipline. So as a result, he explains to the bar that he didn't think of this event and that it qualified as being formally accused of a crime or that his school discipline was substantial enough to report to the state bar since even the university seemed to think it was no biggie. And yet the bar says, "Uh -uh. Mm uh-uh, that's not how this works. And they explain that, look, we write these questions to be vague, for a reason <laughs> the reason is is that we want it to be vague so that you tell us everything that could possibly fit in here and then we decide whether it's no biggie or not all right we are death jam up in here all right don't stop the, the can't stop won't stop bad boy we're the, we're the puff daddy here and we are going to decide so you tell us everything and we'll figure out which which is the big deal and the ironic part is that the bar concludes that the prank was no biggie <laughs> baby baby so no biggie at all my guess is that a few of them had pulled that same nonsense when they were sophomores in college all right it's not like these original things and so they say, look we didn't match you by stealing the bikes 10 years ago all right boys will be boys but you were a grown ass man when you filled out this application last week and tried to sneak this bias and we have a problem with that they also had a problem with that right after passing the bar he changed his LinkedIn profile to indicate that he was a full-grown lawyer despite the fact that he hadn't been officially sworn in yet. In essence, they were like, look, slow your role, playboy. And to keep his role slowed, they did something a little unusual. Uh, they accepted his application to the bar and said, hey, you know, you're going to be good, but you can't sign in with the people you would normally sign in with. So you don't get to sign in until after this year's people pass the bar and we figure out if they're shady or not. You're get, you you know, you're basically going to sit in a penalty box for a year. Two things here. One, you can't jump the gun. And we have this happen to lawyers a lot. Is that they think they've done everything you need to meet the, the qualifications to be admitted to a state bar. And they immediately go out and start trying to drum up business, etc. And none of that you can do until you've actually put your hand on whatever you decide to swear in on and swear to oath, and that you're gonna defend the Constitution of the United States, even if you're a Moorish American, <laughs> and that, you know, until you've done that, you're not a real lawyer, you can't pre- present yourself as a lawyer, you can't do any lawyer things. The other important thing, and probably more, way more important, is remember that in these situations, it's always better to disclose more rather than less. If you have any doubt at all whether it qualifies, put it down. And particularly you say, well, it's no big deal, then certainly it won't stop you. This lawyer did not get in trouble for the prank. And the biggest strike that you can get, the the biggest crime that you can commit (laughs) that will disqualify you as a lawyer is lying on the application. Well, let's be clear. That's almost the biggest crime. All right. The biggest crime, of course, would be if you did something really bad, all right? OJ is not getting admitted to the California bar, okay? I don't care how honest he is about it. We all know about it, but all right, there's, there's limits. But for the little stuff, disclose more rather than less.
1: Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? Did I drive last night? Yeah, I think so. Really? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> dude, where's your car? <laughs> dude, it's not funny, dude. The car is gone. <laughs> yeah. Dude, where's my car? <laughs> Shut up, dude! Oh, Sorry. Dude, where's my car? Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude?
0: Where's your car? That was a scene from the movie, dude, where's my car? (laughs) And believe it or not, that's pretty much all the dialogue in the entire movie. But be that as it may, it's our next nominee for the Joan Rivers Award, which as you know we give to lawyers who can't seem to stop running their mouths. And here we have a DC lawyer, and it's a particularly appropriate candidate for the 21st century, because she decided that she would run her mouth online the attorney successfully represents a client who had been injured on a metro train the train became disabled it got stuck in a tunnel The car starts filling with smoke she and several other people are injured the lawyer files a suit on her behalf and shortly thereafter the transit authority agrees to a settlement and as part of the settlement it agrees they're going to pay the plaintiff's counsel, this attorney her fee of five thousand dollars they're going to pay it directly to her it's not even going to come out of the portion that you know out of the client settlement The court approves this settlement in a sealed order. Now, three weeks later, the lawyer still hasn't received the $5,000. And so she decided to handle her business, Twitter style. Yep, she went on Twitter and posted excerpts from the court's sealed order, emails from the Metro's lawyer, as well as a picture, an article about his client's plight or subsequent death, and then the words, where's my cash? And of course, she used a dollar sign in the S to show, you know, she meant business. And to make sure that she fanned all the smoke. The tweet tagged then-President Trump, Melania, Senator Marsha Blackburn, as well as ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, The Washington Post, The Huffington Post, The Postmaster General, a Post Serial, a Grandmaster Flash, and Melly Mail, And I'm only kidding, like, about the last three or four of them. She tagged everybody. Now later, this lawyer realized that she might have been a lot better off just calling the Metro lawyer and politely asking, uh, dude, where's my check? Uh, so she deletes the tweet. But by now, the damage has been done. She's already violated a court order by disclosing a sealed right judicial order. She also simply showed bad form. And I hate to be the old guy here, but this is another example of the negative influence of social media on so much of our behavior or the desire to make your case in the court of public opinion, despite the fact that this court doesn't have any jurisdiction over anything. After all, how does making your case to Twitter help you in any respect here? Even if Senator Blackburn gets your tweet, is she going to give you the $5,000? Seems to me that the person you need to be tweeting is that other lawyer. And we see this, though, all the time. And and not just business disputes, any kind of disputes. People will take anything to Twitter and figure if they get enough likes and hearts and and upvotes, that means that they've won the fight. And that really doesn't get you what you want. Even if all of Twitter thinks that your husband should put the toilet seat down, I seriously suggest that you still take a look in the middle of the night before you lower yourself onto the seat. Because neither Donald nor Melania is going to come dry your wet butt when you sit in a bowl because your man doesn't have a Twitter account. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not being totally facetious here. We see this a lot. We're taking our cases to to the court of no opinion. I'm sorry, the court of many opinions, but no jurisdiction. The internet, social media. That's not the place you're going to get the relief you want. The, this relief you wanted here was real relief. It was a check. The person who had the check was the Metro. Now, maybe it could have tattled to the judge, right? Today, hey, they are not meeting their obligation of the agreement. That might have helped. But certainly, Pootie Tang is not going to ever be able to help you. Trust me on that one. That said, what will help is if I'm back next week and you're back here and we do another one all over again, we're going to keep it going. But thanks so much for the patrons. I really appreciate all your support and help. For those of you not patrons yet, you should think about it. Come on on and join join the team. Uh, that's a good use for social media. Anyway, we'll see you next time, everybody. Take care. And finally, if you're a lawyer and you need your CLE, don't hesitate to get it from Mesa CLE. This is your comedic legal education, but it still counts as CLE. Mesa, M-E-S-A, CLE.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please feel free to go to Patreon.com. Either look us up at Mesa CLE or the ethy awards and we thank you so much see you next time